and pro- This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. A global revival is taking place. It is the revival of the ancient Roman Empire. Jacques Delos, former head of the Resurrecting Rome, said, We must hurry. History is waiting. Well, prophecy is not waiting. In fact, it's surging inexorably toward the second coming of Christ, God's promised Prince of Shalom, that is, peace. In less than a generation of 70 years, the world witnessed the rebirth of Israel, the apple of God's eye, and the rebirth of Rome, the deceiver's counterfeit, merging the spirit of Egypt the spirit of Babylon, and the spirit of Rome into one global enterprise destined to declare dominion over the souls of men. Babel of Babylon is being rebuilt in men's hearts as mystery Babylon, just as the kingdom of God through the Israel of God is being given life through the hearts of men as the mystery of God. But these two kingdoms are coming into mortal and eternal conflict. Satan, the god of this world, is developing a counterfeit church, drawing the peoples of this planet into a godless and historic oneness. And so I welcome you to Viewpoint, friends. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And you might be a little concerned, maybe thought-provoked there as I opened the program here today linking so many different things in history and the scriptures. You may remember Jesus' high priestly prayer there in John chapter 17 that has been quoted so many, many times over the past 30 to 40 years. Lord, that they may, Father, that they may be one as we are one, I and you and you and me, that the world may know that you have sent me. Oneness. That the world may know that you have sent me that they may be one. Who is the they that he's talking about? Is he talking about the world as a whole? Is he talking about the nations as nations, that they may be one? What's he talking about? No, he was talking to believers. In fact, he was talking to his own disciples, and he began the conversation or the prayer by saying, sanctify them, that is, these disciples, according to thy truth, thy word is truth. And God elevated his word above his own name, the Bible says. So what Jesus was actually praying, contrary to what many believe, is, Lord, Father, you sent me to be the living word, the word translated or incarnated or made flesh to reveal your truth and your grace to the people. Now, that they have heard and seen, witnessed, continue to bind these disciples together that the world may know, the rest of the world may know that you have sent me, that they may be one. Who might be one? The disciples, 
might be one. So the oneness that Jesus was talking about was a oneness of spirit and in truth of one blood through the blood of Christ that would unite us in the word of Christ through the spirit of Christ to become one with him. Satan has a different view. His view is to do an end run around all of that because that would require submission to a savior. That would require submission to Yeshua, Jesus Christ, as Messiah. And that would be intolerable to him. And so Lucifer, Satan, the devil, that goes around roaring like a going like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, is intent on developing a counterfeit. It's called a one-world government or a one-world order. This is the global church that he is building. And he has many who are intent on building it. And we're going to see, we're going to track through some of these personages here today so that you can get a better, we can all get a better understanding of what really is taking place here. Because it would be so easy to get caught up with all kinds of extraneous little sidetracks here and and side trips over there and rabbit trails here, and we miss what's really happening. That's what Satan would have us to do, is miss the real deal. So the real deal is that he is building a counterfeit church, a counterfeit unifying force to make it unnecessary, supposedly, for people to embrace Jesus Christ or to be united in Christ. Now, you can well see, then, why there's going to be a very, very small remnant, ultimately, that is going to walk the straight and narrow way with Christ. Because the majority of the world is going to go the wide way. Jesus said they would. Matthew chapter 7. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and precious few there will be that find it. But Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there will be that go in thereat. What is that way? Where is it leading? It's leading to a counterfeit church, friends, a counterfeit salvation message called globalism. It's a religion, in a a sense. It's a religion that is contrary to the Christian faith, absolutely unmitigatingly, In all of its supposed glorious splendor, it is radically opposed to the very foundations of faith in Christ. In fact, it's being developed to avert the necessity of faith in Christ so that the world can save itself. We can build a Tower of Babel, as we talked about last week. It would rise up unto heaven. And so we have great globalist thinkers today that are doing just that, whether it be Jeff Bezos on behalf of Amazon building a new Amazon headquarters in our nation's capital in the form of the Tower of Babel, or whether it be a new tower being built in Israel by godless people there, a new Tower of Babel, or whether it be the tower built in uh, Strasbourg in Europe there, heading up the European Union, all created, designed in the form of the Tower of Babel, a modern version. This is where the world is heading. 
the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of Egypt, not the spirit of Christ. They are radically, radically opposed. Now, how is this developing? We want to take a look at how this is developing. We want to take a look at the timeline here. We can't go all the way back to the timeline because the battle for King of the Mountain began in heaven when Satan declared he would be like the Most High God. We're not going to go back there, but we're going to go back to about 1945 with the end of World War II and then move forward very quickly from there to where we are today. I hope you'll stay tuned. So anchor your chariot, friends, your seatbelt in your chariot, and we're going to move very rapidly. This is Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. And I welcome you back to Viewpoint. We're talking today about the counterfeit church that is being built, and uh, it's being built politically, economically, spiritually, uh, in, in so many, emotionally. It's being built in so many different ways, and it is religious because it is approached religiously. Not the way you would think of it in terms of Christian worship, but it is a form of worship. It's a worship of mankind rather than the creator of mankind. It's a worship of the creation more than the creator. It's a worship of Mother Earth rather than Father God, and so on. Now, these two kingdoms, the kingdom of Christ, or the kingdom of God, and the kingdoms of this world, are coming into mortal and eternal conflict. Satan, as the Bible says, the god of this world, is drawing the peoples of this planet into a godless oneness. I've been watching this happen now for about 50 years, going back in my life uh, to the time when I graduated from law school, began to practice law, and was involved in ministry, even as a lawyer, uh, involved in many, many different ways, also in politics, having run twice for the legislature in California. So I've been around a bit from coast to coast and have watched the trajectory of the eradication or rebellion against biblical truth in favor of the pursuit of a peace that would be built by pursuing a oneness outside of Christ. It's been amazing. I don't have time to go into all the details of that. We've talked about it in the past here on the program. But in drafting the historic Treaty of Lisbon as the constitution for the reviving Roman Empire, 
The European Union elite refused even to recognize God as having embraced the godless antipathy of the French Revolution. So rather, this expanding union chose to declare its rebellion against the Creator. How? Well, by adopting symbols to set itself blatantly against Christ's coming kingdom. How do they do that? Well, consider, the 12 stars of the European Union flag set themselves against Christ's 12 disciples and against the 12 tribes of Israel. The Tower of Babel, through a variety of European posters and other depictions, displays open contempt for oneness in Christ, in fact, boldly declaring man's intent to unify for his own salvation. The European Parliament in Strasbourg, as we mentioned, even architecturally designed to visually replicate with a modern flair the ancient Tower of Babel. But this political rebuilding of Rome is not complete. The nations, they've been observing the seeming phenomenal success of the European Union in such historically short order, and they're seeking to create similar kinds of regional unions throughout the world, all for the very same purpose, security and prosperity. And the goal is global consciousness. Now, this is a religious, a quasi-religious term that goes back to uh, the New Age religiosity. The first transnational political entity in history, the United States of Europe, represented the rise of a new ideal that could eclipse the United States as focus for the world's yearnings for being for well-being and prosperity or shalom. That is peace, you know. That was declared by Jeremy Rifkin in an editorial analysis. He said, as an American, yet our country is largely unaware of and unprepared for the vast changes that are quickly transforming the old world and giving birth to the new European dream. His words, I think, should grip the heart of every Christian believer all over the world. He said the European dream with its emphasis on inclusivity, diversity, sustainable development, and interconnectedness, is the world's first attempt at creating global consciousness. And that was precisely Barack Obama's open embrace of that vision that connected him so powerfully, whether you like it or not, with America's youth and ingratiated him like a rock star throughout the European continent even earning him the title Messiah by Der Spiegel, a German magazine. Oprah Winfrey announced the Obama election as, quote, a change in global consciousness, unquote. It's amazing. The columnist Jeremy Rifkin revealed the cataclysmic change that is enervating the vision of globalism modeled by the European uh, dream, replacing the American dream, whose life support has been nearly severed from its godly original roots. And Europe now represents peace and prosperity to the world. Rifkin says, utopian as it sounds, I remember that 200 years ago, America's founders created a new dream for humanity that transformed the world. But today, a new generation of Europeans is creating a radical new dream. What does that look like? Well, Romano Prati, 
the former president of the European Commission admitted that the EU's goal is to establish a superpower on the European continent that stands equal to the United States. By the way, it may appear that this is just a geopolitical thing. When you mention Europe, you mention the United States and so on. No, it's not just a geopolitical thing. It is a religious thing that is uh, ensconced in a geopolitical setting. Now, when Romano Prati, the president of the European Commission at that time, was asked to explain what he meant, he said he spoke of the European vision as one of a new type of power, a new kind of superpower based on waging peace. Shalom. Now, Jesus, you see, was to be the Prince of Peace. But Satan is masquerading as creating a counterfeit Prince of Peace movement so that he can be called the Prince of Peace as demonstrated in his counterfeit Messiah figure, we call it the Antichrist, who will soon make his uh, place known on this planet. So should this concept of waging peace take us by surprise? But not, not if we're scripturally informed. In fact, if you go back to the prophet Daniel, he warned of the charismatic counterfeit Christ, declaring, by peace or the pursuit of peace, he shall destroy many. So that's where we are. That takes us back uh, a bit here, helps to... Uh, uh, put things in a, a bit of perspective, both biblically and uh, geopolitically, and also uh, relationally and historically. So before we move further, I want to encourage you to, if you don't have, already have it, to get a copy of my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. This is going to be, I don't think you can really be, most people can comprehend and it's not a prideful thing to say this. I just don't think that most people can comprehend the depths of what is actually taking place, the import of it, how the dots connect, and how it's going to impact and affect you and your children and your grandchildren and pastors, your congregations. I think we have what I might call a theoretical understanding of these things, but not a transformational understanding. An informational understanding, but not a transformational understanding. In other words, we're not to the place where we're willing to seriously consider that this may have a profound impact upon my life, upon my children, my grandchildren, and upon their eternal destiny. You see, that's what we're really talking about. Which kingdom are we going to allow to reign supreme from the temple mount of our own hearts? So, the book Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, $22. We'll put it in your hands on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Uh, you can go to our website, as I said, saveus.org. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, Two three two five five. If you're writing a check at five dollars for postage and handling, uh, I would suggest you call our 
uh, our office, but Verizon has cut our phone lines right now because they're installing a new uh, fiber optic system, and we've been out of a phone line now for about a week. So go to the website, saveus.org, or write to us at Save America Ministries, uh, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. All right. Now, let's leapfrog forward here to take a look at what has happened in just the past uh, 20 years. In fact, even less than that. About 20 years. In front of me is a headline, 2009, first year of global governance. And it's in quotes. The first president of the EU announced the official goal. In accepting his appointment as the first president of the European Union, Belgian Prime Minister Herman Van Rompuy announced that, quote, global governance is only the only way to address the crises that beset this planet. He said, we're living through exceptionally difficult times, the financial crisis, the climate crisis, all of these crises. Uh, there's a lack of certainty, lack of confidence. And he said 2009 is also the first year of the global governance with the establishment of the G20 in the middle of the financial crisis. The climate conference in Copenhagen is another step toward the global management of our planet. Lord Christopher Monckton, a former science advisor to British Prime Minister Minister uh, Margaret Thatcher, had warned that the dangers of a U.N. treaty proposal promoted by President Obama would lead to world government. Now, the new leader in 2009 of the EU affirmed that as a goal. Now, this is pretty interesting. Wouldn't you think so? The Washington Times, the very same year, the month before, declared Obama's new world order. President Obama is on a path toward establishing a one-world government. Global warming alarmists are using the myth of climate change to impose an embryonic socialist world government. Following the collapse of communism, the West progressive elites desperately searched for a viable ideological alternative. They found it in environmentalism, the Green Movement. So, Barack Obama declared by the Washington Times to be establishing a one-world government using environmentalism as the lever to do so. The writer of this article says, when Mr. Obama signs the Copenhagen Treaty, he will sign your freedom, your democracy, and your prosperity away forever. Now, we're not talking here about individuals. There are names of individuals that are heading these things up. Forget about the names of the individuals. This is to show the trajectory of the development of the counterfeit church called a one-world order or one-world government that will supplant, be deemed to supplant, 
and produce the same results, in fact, a utopian order of love and compassion and common good and unity without unity in Christ as he prayed in his high priestly prayer that they may be one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. The world doesn't want to know that the Father sent Jesus, just the opposite. So all of those things are being squashed, removed through cancel culture and other means so that that message can not come out, but the message of the new global church that is a counterfeit church uniting the world for self-salvation will become the message, the new gospel message. That's what it is. And that's why globalism is the anti-gospel. Again, if you don't have the book Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposture, you really, really, really owe it to yourself to get it. It'll open your heart, open your mind, and provide enough conversation for the next two years. It's on our website, saveus.org. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Again, we're tracing the trajectory of the uh, establishment of the counterfeit church, Lucifer's counterfeit church, uh, in the form of a global government, a world government. And we have so much more now uh, to talk about here uh, on Viewpoint today. So I hope you'll hang in there because... We're going to speed up the engine on your chariot here and really uh, go roaring down the track. Now, we just indicated the Washington Times uh, spoke out in uh, 2009, excuse me, it was 2010, declaring Obama the leader of the New World Order. The year before that the was declared, that is 2009, declared the first year of global governance. Now... We go back to 2008, just the year before that, when Barack Obama was elected and took the oath of office. The first thing he did after going to the Islamic world and diminishing the United States and going on his apology tour, he then went to Germany. You may recall this. He went to the Brandenburg Gate. And he said, tonight I speak to you not as a candidate for president, but a fellow citizen of the world. Not as a candidate for president, but as a citizen of the world. He was making his ploy to be seen as 
the titular leader of a global government. He said there is only one possibility for us to stand together united until this battle is won. What battle? The battle to unite the world in a one-world government. He went on to say, a world that stands as one. What did Jesus say in his high priestly prayer? Lord, Father, that they may be one, that the world may know that thou hast sent him. Now, that's not what Barack Obama had in mind. He had in mind bringing the world together in uh, common for so-called common good so that they can be one and save the world in a global utopia. He went on to say, in this new world, such dangerous currents have swept along faster than our efforts to contain them. And that is why we cannot afford to be divided. The burdens of global citizenship will bind us together, he said. After centuries of strife, the people of Europe have formed a union of promise and prosperity. In other words, the foundation for a one-world government. He wanted to say this is the moment we must help answer the call for a new dawn. People of Berlin, people of the world, this is our moment, this is our time. Now those are excerpts from his speech. And it gives the overarching sense of what he was about. Now you can understand why Der Spiegel magazine, on its front cover, pictured Barack Obama with the word Messiah Factor. Mm -hmm. You got that right. Messiah Factor. At least 20 times or more, Barack Obama was referred to as the Messiah. Messiah of what? Messiah of a new world order. Now, I want to go back two years before that to an article called The Emerging New World Order. <clears throat> David Rockefeller said, we are on the verge of global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis. Isn't that exactly what happened with COVID-19? Exactly. And that's why Klaus Schwab, who has announced the Great Reset, which is a euphemism for the ensconcing of this new world government by 2030, in its fullness, said, we must seize this moment, this crisis, in order to carry the day and move the uh, this goal for the establishment of a one-world government forward. David Rockefeller went on to say, I see a world building on the emerging new model of European unity. We must join together in a new compact, all of us, said George H.W. Bush, to bring the United Nations into the 21st century. Another said, globalization is not a random walk process. It moves forward according to a tangible, coherent, and well-planned strategy. That's in the book, The Globalization Strategy. 
going back to David Rockefeller, all we need is the right major crisis, and the nations will accept the new world order. Friends, that's just about what has happened. You remember back in uh, a couple of months ago in Australia, the head of the uh, Australia's medical team, or whatever it was, uh, declared that uh, what she was declaring was, in fact, fulfilling the demands of the New World Order. Our former president, George H.W. Bush, echoed that assurance, out of these troubled times, a new world can emerge. In 1990, he gave this address to Congress titled, Toward a New World Order. Well, the pace of change has quickened a lot since then. Legal or not, migration is vital to this transformational process. Here are the goals. I want you to listen very, very carefully to these goals and see if you recognize these patterns. First, replace national boundaries with open borders in a unified world. Isn't that what's happened in the last year? With the election of Joe Biden, that's why. Because he's a globalist. Number two, replace individual thinking with collective thinking. Don't have time to go into so many of these things that would be so helpful, I think. Canadian psychiatrist Brock Chisholm became the first head of the World Health Organization, who... And uh, he presented a mental health, mental health as a useful crisis. Here's what he said. To achieve world government is necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism, their loyalty to family and tradition, their national patriotism, and their religious dogmas. In other words, to give them nothing to identify with other than a new global order. He said, for many generations, we have bowed our necks to the yoke of the conviction of sin. We swallowed all manner of poisonous certainties fed us by our parents. There is something to be said for gently putting aside the mistaken old ways of our elders, if that is possible. If it cannot be done gently, it may have to be done roughly or even violently. Are you listening? Don't tell us about sin. No, that's troubling. We want to come into unity. He went on to say the challenge of hum- to humanity is to adopt new ways of thinking, new ways of acting, new ways of organizing itself in society, in short, new ways of living. Contrary to the Bible, by the way. So his message if you're listening, is staggering. Everything must be changed. Everything. Offensive facts in the Bible's so-called poisonous certainties that he talked about would be banned for these hinder group manipulation. The third point. Replace divisive biblical absolutes with helpful universal values. In fact, 
I, I hate to say it, but uh, Rick Warren really has played into this in a very significant way. He was echoing the message of UNESCO, and here he was, America's pastor, and here's what he said. It's all about the global glory of God. We intend to leverage the attention that the purpose-driven life has garnered to bring about a whole new way of thinking and acting in the church about our responsibility to the world. He said, what do you do when your church hits a plateau? Well, some people are going to have to die or leave, he said. Hmm. I don't know if you're picking up on the sense of this, but it doesn't sound overly Christian. I won't say more about that. Then, in 2009, the year after Barack Obama took office, or that year, the United Nations Secretary General Ban Ki-moon publicly admitted that the agenda behind the Copenhagen uh, Environmental Summit and the climate change fraud is the imposition of a global government and the end of national sovereignty. He told the Los Angeles Times, we will establish a global governance structure to monitor and manage the implementation of this. Ban Ki-moon hinted that the arrival of President Barack Obama could grasp victory from the jaws of defeat for the globalists. He said, could Obama roll in as the savior of Copenhagen? In 2017, looking back now, eight years to 2009 that was supposed to be the establishment of the first uh, clear indication of global government came this word. His fulfillment, that is of Mr. Trump, his fulfillment of his campaign promise to roll back globalism is one of his crowning achievements of the year. Without exception, Trump stood up against the incessant pressure by other countries against the United States. That, my friends, is why he was hated and had to go. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Now, 
we shift from political personages to papal personages. And I have in my hands a brief synopsis that I put together out of dozens of articles to help us to get a picture in a short period of time of where the Roman Catholic Church and the papacy stands with regard to this vision for a new utopian government to save the world. To, in a sense, do an end round as a so-called vicar of Christ uses his position, his role, to actually usher the world into a counterfeit. It's pretty amazing. So here we go. In 2004, January, Pope John Paul II rang in the new year with a renewed call for peace in the Middle East and the creation of a new world order. He was presiding over a morning mass inside St. Peter's Basilica to mark the World Day of Peace. He said, the creation of a new international order based on the goals of the United Nations is what is needed to resolve our world's problems and bring peace on earth. He issued a formal document marking the World Day of Peace in which he called for a reform of the United Nations and international law to deal with the evolving threat of terrorism. He called for a new world order. Then, five years later, in 2009, when Barack Obama took over as President of the United States, the New York Times came out with a piece called Papal Message Seeks Global Authority for Economy. Now it's not Pope John Paul II, it's Pope Benedict XVI, called for a world political authority to manage the global economy and for more government regulation of national economies to pull the world out of the current crisis and avoid a repeat. He wrote, Charity in Truth, you know, one of these papal decrees, He said every economic decision has moral consequence and called for forms of redistribution of wealth overseen by governments. He said there is an urgent need of a true world political authority whose task would be to manage the global economy to avoid any deterioration of the present crisis and the greater imbalances that would result. Such an authority he said, would have to be regulated by law and would need to be universally recognized, vested with the effective power to ensure security for all. Obviously, he said, it would have to have the authority to ensure compliance with its decisions from all parties. Now, this was an encyclical, the highest form of papal writing, and gave the clearest indication 
to the world's 1.1 billion Catholics as well as non-Catholics of what the Pope and the Vatican think. Let's move forward from there. So we've got Pope John Paul II, we have Pope Benedict XVI, and now we move to the next one, Pope Francis. This came from the World Bank. Message of His Holiness Pope Francis to the World Bank and International Monetary Fund. Now, what's the Vicar of Christ doing speaking to the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund? Well, here's what he said. Central to a just and integrated development of the essential objective and end of all economic life, namely the universal common good. He said it means thinking and acting in terms of community. That's a euphemistic term for global government, friends. It gives a nice feeling, but it deceives as to what is behind it. Then he talks about solidarity. In its most profound meaning, a way of making history. So there are three points, common good, community, and solidarity. I want to warn you of the use of these words because their intent is something other than you might think. Universal common good does not mean that you would have a heart desire to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith, as the Bible commands. No, it means every of us must be treated co-equally in the sense of equal outcomes. Common good means not that you do what the early church did and People were moved by their heart for others, their love for others, their faith within the body of Christ, and they sold things that they had and gave to their brothers and sisters uh, so that they would all have enough. That's what they did voluntarily, out of the eleemosynary purposes of their heart, not by government uh, compunction or co- uh, compelling. But the common good now has to be achieved by government compelling you to do what they say you ought to do. It removes the whole biblical purpose. The whole sense of supposedly acting in community. That also is something that should come from the heart. You can't compel community. But they want to use a warm, fuzzy, emotionally charged term community that sounds so nice to describe ultimately what they envision as a global government that compels you to do what the government tells you you ought to do. And then you should be in solidarity with all that. In other words, in agreement, whether you want to or not. Next, Pope Francis calls for new world order. Head of the Catholic Church insists the establishment of a new world order after the pandemic because things will never be the same after it. So we put it all in a new book entitled God and the World to Come. Sounds like it's all about God, but it's not. 
It's about globalism. He said we must grasp the signs that have taken place with the COVID uh, situation and so on, and we must grasp these signs which may prove to be the cornerstones of reconstruction. Notice he's not talking about revival, spiritual revival. He's talking about reconstruction. That's another word to go along with the theme of build back better. He goes on to say the path to humanity's salvation is focused on their coexistence among peoples in harmony with creation. Notice he is saying that if you don't line up with environmentalism the way the global government is uh, achieving uh, global consciousness, then you're not interested in salvation. In other words, salvation is now being redefined as somehow establishing a relationship with Mother Earth without any emphasis on Father God. He goes on to give a stern warning on the urgent need to take care of man's common and only home, the earth, with radical personal and political choices before the earth throws us out the window. He said we can't waste any more time. Friends, there's only the only places in the Bible that talk about the earth throwing us out the window is when we corrupt ourselves morally and engage in homosexuality and bestiality and uh, homosexuality, all of these things. That is what causes you, Earth, to throw you out or vomit you out. He's missing the whole point because he has a different agenda. Again, we're talking about Pope Francis. He said the leaders of nations can guide the peoples of the earth towards a more prosperous and fraternal future. The prosperity, I'm not sure what he has in mind there. Fraternal future, that's the universal brotherhood of man, friends, which is contrary to the goal of Scripture, which is the brotherhood in Christ. Now, at first blush, when you read these things, it it doesn't seem to catch us. But you have to understand what the goal is, what they're after. Why then did the proposal come from the former Israeli president and Nobel Peace Prize winner, Shimon Peres, in a private audience with Pope Francis in 2014, proposing the founding of a united religions organization modeled after the United Nations to fight terrorism. Is this what Jesus had in mind? No. He said, like the UN Charter, there should be a united religions charter. And that Pope Francis would be the best leader for the united religions organization. Which, by the way, this very year he is establishing purposely in conjunction with a famous Muslim imam in Dubai. Is it any wonder then 
that Archbishop Vigano, former ambassador to the U.S., said that Pope Francis is a zealous cooperator in the Great Reset and will preside over the demolition of the Catholic Church in order to replace it with an order based on a Masonic inspiration. In other words, what he means by that is, in the Masonic realm, religion is great, but you dare not talk about a particular religion. Whatever religion you want to embrace is great. That's the Masonic view and foundation for a new world order. In fact, I even write about that in my new book that will be coming out hopefully in about four or five months called Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. There is such confusion, friends, such amazing confusion out there. And that's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. The deception will be so great, he said, that if it were possible, even the very small remnant elect would be deceived. So massive spiritual deception is mounting as the final bridge. It's bidding pastors and priests and parishioners and parachurch leaders all across the world to kind of a a worldly Jordan into a counterfeit promised land of global security and prosperity. All with religious overtones. The rivers and the rivulets of the world's religious isms are now combining to propel even professing Christians in powerful currents of global oneness into the counterfeit Christ new global order and counterfeit church. That's why Jesus warned, if it were possible, they'll deceive even the very elect. You might want to try to get a copy of the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. It'll open your eyes and help to prepare your heart to lead others in your family, your church, others in your spheres of influence. $22 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. You can write to us at Save America Ministries and become a partner, friends. There's only one way we can keep this program on the air, and that is through your donations. Ask the Lord what he would have you to give and be prompt in responding. God bless and be a blessing. Let's be faithful to the end. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.